Hey, Lily, uh, let's kick off this week with an icebreaker question. So who's the biggest celebrity that you've ever met? Well, um, probably my most exciting celebrity moment was when I was about 11 years old <laughs> and I was backstage at Glastonbury Festival, which was pretty cool. Um, and... This guy walked past me. He was tall, long, blowing locks. And he's like, hey, Lily, how's your mum? And I was with my friend's mum who was looking after me. And she was just like her jaw hit the floor. (laughs) Because it was Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. Yes, asking me how I was and how my mum was. Um, And yeah, I'd met him a couple of times before because... Uh, we know his daughter. The family knows his daughter. And he recognized me and said hello. And I'm terrible. Like, I don't ever recognize celebrities. So it was a good thing he did recognize <laughs> me because I wouldn't have known it was him walking past me at all. <laughs> okay, well, mine isn't nearly as impressive as as Led Zeppelin's front man. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, but I did get to meet some amazing people in my former life as a music journalist. And I'm kind of, sort of, sort of in the music video for a Tribe Called Quest scenario, which will never stop me from claiming I really am in it. But I was at the show where they filmed it and I was right up front. Uh, and I got to meet Snoop Dogg and Paul McCartney, but not at the same time. And uh, I don't think either of them would recognize me now. <laughs> Well, our guest this week trumps us both. Man and Dave is not only the chief product and creativity officer at Mind Valley, he's also created music with Idris Elba and works with Will I Am. Aside from that, Manon has also worked on some very cool products, mixing the physical world with the digital to create brand new products and experiences that inspire and teach. And today we talk to him about passion, how you find it, how you use it, and how it can make you a better product person. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Manon, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're really excited to talk to you. Me too. Thanks for having me. So you were on the main stage here in London at uh, Mind the Product last year talking about uh, your career path. But for anyone who wasn't at the conference, hasn't actually watched the talk, can you give us a quick introduction? How'd you get into products in the first place? And what are you up to these days? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm, well, I'm currently a chief product officer at Mind Valley. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But I guess to answer uh, in the order that you asked, I got into product kind of by fluke, really. And I think it's, uh, it's the case with so many people who I met, well, not just at Mind the Product, but over the years. I actually uh, I studied sort of com- uh, computing and business management at Kingston University, and um, I don't really know what I wanted out of it all. I just knew that I really enjoyed being creative and uh, you know making stuff. And I think um, I thought engineering was the way to go. So I started my career as like a really really crappy 
engineer. Uh, to be honest, I couldn't really write code very well at all. And uh, very quickly fail-safed into a uh, QA role. Not that that's much easier and definitely not a fail-safe for uh, engineers. It's almost engineering in its own right. But managed to kind of like scrape through building one of the first QA teams at a company called Affiliate Window where I started my career. And very quickly realized that you know, some of the stuff that I was doing, uh, which I guess you can call kind of solution design, I was, you know, I started out as a, um, uh, as kind of like the technical services representative helping customers integrate code, and then obviously started that QA team. And I sort of realized that, you know, as customers were identifying problems, there was a pattern to those problems. And then I would negotiate fixes with the engineers. And then those fixes would become wholesale features in their own right. And Suddenly, I was the conduit between all of these different teams. And then I discovered that actually, look, there are some companies that have this role that kind of facilitates all of that, uh, that they call product management. And so I went on a, I think, one of those mountain goat software courses uh, with Mike Cohn and did my, you know, uh, scrum and agile certifications. And then I quickly realized this is actually a very real profession and tried to persuade my boss at the time to sneak me into um mind the product at least get me a ticket for one person and i'll try and squeeze in an extra couple of people and um i think i even sneaked in the back door a couple of times to be completely honest but i yeah i really just fell in love with product from that point onwards and, I, and as i say i really saw it as a creative outlet for a otherwise technical career and now you're working as cpo at mind valley tell mm-hmm. us a bit about that business and your role there yeah, so I'd actually just started at Mind Valley um, the same week that I did uh, the Mind the product uh, talk that you were mentioning, and Mind Valley is an interesting company because for the last few years I've been working within the ed tech space, and um, Mind Valley positioned themselves to me when we started speaking as an ed tech company, and obviously when I looked them up, I I saw you know that they have live events, they have uh, a lot of this kind of personal growth content, and I wasn't sure if it was much more than kind of Netflix for personal growth rather than an ed tech company. But, you know, joining the company and meeting the founder, Vision, uh, I've been pretty amazed by just uh, how much tech they have under the hood and and how much of a product-centric organization it really is. So um, it's a company that kind of spans six different categories of personal growth uh, from mind, body, um, soul or spiritual content all the way through to like entrepreneurial relationships, parenting, uh, development in any aspect of life really. And, um, I think that, you know, it's become such a important part of culture today to kind of look at this balance, uh, you know, whether, whether it's work life balance or well being overall. And I just really wanted that to become a component in my career. So Mind Valley kind of operate within that space, but they really cut across. Um, sort of the physical and the digital and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about my career overall but in my career I've always kind of been fascinated about fusing those two things the physical and the digital so um, yeah so Mindvalley are really leading in that space uh, in my opinion. And one of the things you started with in your talk is how to describe what product managers do or, or what product management is and you've got your own kind of take on this, which um, I always love hearing, like how different people describe it. So how would you describe it? Yeah. So if I, I guess, rewind to the talk, but also what I was saying at the top of the conversation, I guess my definition of it 
um, especially when it comes to telling people who have no idea about the role, um, is we make cool shit, right? And and, and I think that's uh, that's kind of maybe a reflection on what I've always wanted to do and, and, and the fact that I, I tried to find meaning in the role. But I definitely think that that's true for so many people. Um, you know, I think we get a joy out of seeing things come out and be used by uh, by by your average consumer or average user, um, even when it comes to B2B products or SaaS products or API products or whatever, there is ultimately an end user utility. And I think um, product folks are, in my opinion, kind of uh, the central role in, in bringing those things to market and ensuring that they're fit for purpose. So uh, with that said, yeah, I really think that our, the definition of our job is to make cool shit. <laughs> So how have you actually applied this to your career? Because lots of us want to do stuff. We want to do interesting stuff, but I don't sure that everything we make is cool. So, <laughs> well, I think that's where, you know, maybe, maybe there is another perspective that I can offer. Cause I think that when you have an itch that needs to be scratched, I think you can find, you know, you can find the fun in a lot of stuff. And I, and, and I, as I said, I started my career at AWIN building affiliate marketing products, right? Uh, and behavioral retargeting algorithms and whatever. Uh, there was one project I had, which I loved and I think really kind of gave me the, the passion for being creative in this space. And honestly, when I describe it to you, you're going to think, what the hell is this guy talking about? It was literally a data feed product where we ingested like millions two million products i think um from retail brands like john lewis and vodafone and others mm -hmm. and we turned it into this um this kind of modular database which regenerated itself into uh, an xml or csv output of products that you wanted to integrate into your affiliate website I don't know that there's many people in the world who'd be excited by that, <laughs> but but the joy and the fun that I had in just like, again, taking my pretty poor engineering brain and applying a little bit of kind of end user, kind of creative, you know, I guess output um, or insight, I should say, into into this into the conceptualization of that, I think was fun, and I think that actually, it's really about you know you hear a lot of these inspirational quotes, but one I really kind of buy into is you have to kind of love the process of, 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 of solving the problem. And I think that's whether you're doing that, for, like I say, for a, um, a music app, which I had the privilege of building and, and had a lot of fun building, or whether you're doing it for this fairly niche data feed <laughs> product, I think that there is, um, there is some fun that you can find in the creative process. So that's kind of, that's how I sort of see it. What is there, because obviously not everyone, you know, has has the benefit of feeling that sort of sense of joy in their work. What do you think when, when people aren't feeling that, what do you think it is that's sort of like stopping people or holding people back? Because like you say, you know, a data feed is not a particularly, it doesn't seem like an exciting product, but you clearly felt really passionate and excited about it. So what is it that brings the excitement and what is it that kind of stops and stifles that excitement do you think yeah i mean look i think that this is where you know having done the talk at mind the product and met so many people afterwards who were who kind of pointed to one specific example or aspect of my talk and said 
you know, at the after party or just after the event. Oh my gosh, when you said that thing, like that really resonated with me because I felt this way about so-and-so. And and usually that so-and-so is, you know, it might be something creative or it might be that they're really into sports or they're filmmakers in their spare time or they've always dreamt of, you know, I don't know, climbing a mountain or whatever that thing was. The fact is we have these kind of passions and desires for things that are many times parallel to our careers. And, and I think that one of the things I learned early on through my journey after university, I had like 18 months or so out where I was writing music for TV shows all by complete fluke. But it, but it, you know, that journey made me realize like, wow, I just really, really want to make music and I have to find a way to make music. And that was a very hard, as many people know, a really hard career path to pursue. But the knowledge or having tasted what could be possible like in that world made me just realize like whatever it takes to pay the bills, I need to have that kind of creative itch scratched. I need to make sure that I'm like being somewhat creative. I need to have the same juices flowing as if I was make, writing a song or making a, a track. And I kind of never really shied away from emphasizing to those I was working with from day dot, you know, that I did this and I enjoyed it and I want, I'm going to continue doing it and I might work until 3 a.m. making music and show up at 9 a.m. and I might be rubbing my eyes, but my work will never suffer because the knowledge that I can go home and do that is the most exciting thing. And somehow the acceptance of that, and I was pretty lucky, there's a guy called Kevin Brown who ran that company uh, and gave me my first job, who himself was like, you know, just a bit of a prog rocker in his free time and just you know whatever he had his he had his own passion for it so i look i understand my circumstances were pretty lucky but i think that there was an immediate kind of acceptance of like this is just who this guy is and um and that made me comfortable in my skin and i was able to then just i think what i was the message i was trying to get across was be my my whole self at work and apply some of that i guess the same approaches to 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 product that i would writing a song Man, and it's it's obvious that you're a passionate guy, and if you're not engaged in something, you're not going to be bringing your best <laughs> self to it. Right. But you were telling me the other day uh, that you think that applying this passion also helps make you better at the job, not just being engaged. And I can see that there's uh, something that's contagious, that getting other people excited is part of it. But how else does it make you better at the job, or or how do you think it makes other people better at the job? I think that, you know... Um, and, and this is a bit philosophical, but I think at the core, you know, product people for sure, and maybe all people are in essence storytellers, right? And I think that as product people, the reason why I emphasize product folks in this case is, again, it is about that user journey and ensuring that there's a, there is a kind of arc to how somebody consumes the product. So for me, it's just the pursuit of that that kind of made me feel that this is something that is a, a clear parallel to the other thing I like doing in this case music making and I think whatever that whatever that kind of nugget is that you can sort of find and apply from the things that you are otherwise passionate about that are mirrored in I hate calling it the day job because I don't think that that for me at least those things aren't separate but I think if if you can take that and apply it to the thing that you're tackling in the product space 
or find the kind of parallel in it, I think it makes you inherently better. And then I think the reason why is because naturally you have more of an attention to detail. Naturally, you have more of a stake in the outcome, you know. And I think you become, again, inherently more articulate about communicating, you know, the areas that you want to improve or the things that you want to achieve or uh, the way in which you collaborate with stakeholders and other people. And I think all of those things just come part and parcel when you have that kind of backing of your own, uh, I guess, um, incentive in, in doing in doing the thing. So I think that all of those things that ideally, if you're interviewing me to be a product person in your company, you'll be looking for anyway, become ever more apparent because you give a shit about, about it, right? And I think that's kind of really the honest the honest thing that I see in, in, in applying this, this, this technique, I guess. Are you ready for Mind the Product San Francisco conference happening in June? If you've been before, you're probably feeling a bit like me, desperate for your MTP con fix. And if you're new to it, this is the product conference not to miss. If you're a product person looking to advance your career, expand your network, get inspired and bring the best products to market, then this is for you. So what can you expect? Well, MTPCon is known for their epic lineup of speakers, renowned product leaders with invaluable insights and tactics to share. They cover a range of exciting topics that will challenge and inspire you to step up as a product manager, always with something tangible to take away into your own product practice. And don't let location hold you back. Even if you can't join in person in San Francisco, you can still be part of the action with their convenient digital-only option. This event is a must-attend for anyone seeking to elevate their product management game. Find out more and book your ticket at mindtheproduct.com slash sam-francisco. So one of the things that I struggled with early on in my career before I got into tech was um, because I used to want to be a filmmaker and I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed photography and and shooting film, basically. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing that as a job and kind of lost all my joy in doing it for like for my passion um and then kind of moved into into tech and found that sort of creative outlet i guess sort mm. of kind of similar to you and now really enjoy kind of my photography and and making videos and stuff but have that very separate from mm. from the money earning work yes yeah yeah <laughs> um so do you think there's something about um, kind of keeping that separation that's helpful or, you know, is it good to be able to to do both, but maybe do the more creative stuff on your own terms? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that comes up a lot when I speak to folks. And, you know, um, I recently did a talk for a, a company offsite uh, for, for one of my friends who runs a design team at, the, at this company. And, and one of his team members said to me, look, this sounds fantastic for you. But um, to me, it sounds like burnout, because actually, I'm a creative person, I do, you know, creative things every day. And I have this other creative thing that I really enjoy doing. And my day job, or my the work that I do for, for this company, drains me creatively. 
so much so that it makes it really difficult for me to pursue this other stuff at the same with the same intensity right and so i think that there is a bit of each to their own when it comes to this stuff in the sense that you just described you know that you've because you've been able to kind of like find the joy in what you're doing in tech maybe you've been able to at some point go back and um continue making films or taking photos and 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 doing it uh as what some people not me like to call a hobby uh, <laughs> but um but i would argue it's not a hobby i would argue that in fact those things are already fueling each other in the sense that you have this you have this kind of um exhaust if you like for from your from your tech job where you get to go out and do this other thing which is essentially the the right kind of tension between the two things um so i actually think and this is a hypothesis that you maybe you're happier and better in your job because you have gone back to being able to do that photography stuff so in my mind it does it's not that you have to necessarily converge the things but i would hope and i and i'm sure that you do often talk about or share with the folks that you work with in the tech world the other stuff that you're doing um if for no other reason than just to say that you did it on the weekend or whatever and i think that makes a material difference genuinely in the way that you collaborate with people in the understanding that folks have of you and um i think that f- people who are kind of doing it in a completely ring fenced way miss out on that they miss out on that extra level mm-hmm. of collaboration the extra level of understanding amongst peers and ultimately the extra opportunity that that gives you and that affordance that gives you to experiment in in the product space or the tech space when you're when you're working in a a big company or in a big team or when you're early in your career sometimes you know you've got that thing you've got a huge amount of passion for something but you might not have the station to to really make a difference yet or maybe your your ambition outstrips your skill set at that point you know you're just getting started and you want to take on the world but you just don't have the tools yet how do you combine that how do you lean into your passion there uh, and ramp it up to, in the right way so that you don't burn out or don't get frustrated all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, to, yeah, look, that's a journey that I think I've definitely been on. Um, I think uh, oftentimes my ambition outweighs my capabilities. <laughs> um, so, and I think, again, there is a component of knowing that, you know, every lens is unique. Uh, I think accepting that you don't, that you may never be able to match the expectation in one specific area but also that nobody really has that kind of cocktail of perspective that you have when you start to bring into you know your world uh, some of those other crafts and skill sets that enable you to do something completely different right and i think again my reference would be sort of music and but not just music like in recent years that's kind of led to me taking on creative director roles instead of product roles right and i think that's something that i never expected to do and in fact i had no idea what a creative director even was in some of the contexts that um i've been working in recently and i would say the same about you know lily i'm not, i'm not sure what you, you know your your day-to-day tech world looks like but i would argue the case that the the kind of visual skill set that you have in filmmaking and photography and so on creates a a type of perspective that only you can have when tackling those tech problems and challenges and i think the hardest thing for anyone starting out like myself when i was starting out was knowing knowing that a well first of all knowing what those things were 
what those unique perspectives were. And secondly, the kind of, I guess, awareness that it's a, that I'm allowed to leverage those tools. And I think mm. that you just kind of presume that you're not supposed to be dipping into the, the skill set of your filmmaking knowledge when critiquing the user experience flow of a, you know, of a, of a piece of software. To me, that's, now it's super obvious that because I know how, I know how to write a, a radio-friendly two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half-minute song that I obviously know how an onboarding flow for an app should go. Like, of course, <laughs> it's the same damn thing. I, I can see the parallels. <laughs> I, I mean, the, I, 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 genuinely, I genuinely feel that there are parallels. And I think that it is it's about moments of delight. And, you know, the, and I, as I talked about on stage at Mind the Product, the big, the big bass drop uh, that sets off the foam and gets you back to the bar to take the shots, that's the, that's the freemium model, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm joking. But, you know, there is... There is an element of that. So I think, again, when you dip into that skill set, it just offers you unique perspective. And I think um, I would just really encourage people who are kind of starting a career in product to look at that and say, look, what can I bring to the table from my uh, own passions and skills and crafts and hobbies or whatever you want to call them? Um, and how does that change how I see things that offers a unique advantage to my team? I think that's a really interesting point and you know, it's definitely something that's much easier to do retrospectively. Mm. But yeah, a, a really interesting exercise for the for those out there that are still kind of trying to understand who they are in this world and mm. like what strengths they bring. Um, I think, you know, for, for me, for sure, sim- similarly, I, it's taken me a long time to go, oh, actually, I find that quite easy or that comes kind right. of quite naturally to me or I love doing that thing that other people find quite hard or um, so, yeah, like trying to find the bits that that you bring. I, I feel that's actually quite hard <laughs> until you <laughs> until you reflect retrospectively on the type of work that you've done and and what you brought in that moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, my granddad has this phrase that he uses, like a um, a saying in Sanskrit, which essentially is like to connect the dots backwards, right? Like you can only ever know in hindsight. However, like once you know, it's uh, it becomes, I honestly feel like it becomes a reference point. It becomes second nature to say, I was working on this thing in the studio with this artist and he or she said, so so and so is a great inspiration and then when i realized that's actually the same baseline as was used in this thing and actually it makes now complete sense that we should kind of retrofit the ux to use the buttons at the bottom like it used to be in the, because that's the <laughs> that's the throwback to the 90 whatever you know what i mean like it's, honestly yeah. that's that's the process that um i think uh, i find myself going through kind of instinctively a bit more than you know a few years ago um, because again, you give yourself, you afford yourself the kind of luxury of dipping into that stuff. And you're working as a CPO now. So how do you support your team in, you know, developing their own passions and, yeah. and bringing those into the workplace? Yeah. I mean, like you have to use, uh, I guess, language that people are like are used to or understand. So I like, I like leveraging the side hustle culture and sort of saying, you know, 
I don't see it as a side hustle. I just see it all as one big hustle. But I think that um, <laughs> um, I think that uh, I encourage it a lot. You know, I think uh, in in many places we ha- they have Hack Fridays. You have a little innovation day or whatever. Um, I'm a big fan of let's do that as much as possible and all the time, ideally. And I what I like to know. I want to know what people are working on. I don't shy away from it. I don't get concerned about like, well, how much time are you spending on the day job? I mean, I the expectation you know, as adults and as creative folks or, uh, or as product folks is the work has to get done. So that never really comes into play. But instead, I actually really try to flip it on its head and say, hey, look, you know, I, I urge you to kind of pursue this this other stuff that you, you, you want to experiment with. I will try and find time where we can at work to make that a possibility that, you know, for us to collaborate internally on this, some of this stuff. And to be honest, some of the best ideas we've had, award-winning ideas, uh, and products have come out of those exercises. So um, I think my job is, as a chief product officer, you know, is to enable more than anything else, as many other CPOs would do. But I also think that means enabling some of those grassroots ideas to be really brought to the fore, you know, when it comes to some of these experiments. I wanted to ask you also about almost the flip side of passion. Uh-huh. So a lot of times when we work with people, we're doing strengths assessments and, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses and, and looking at all that. And there's all these things of 360s of, uh, and, and ways to say, you know, what am I good at and what do I still need to work on? Mm-hmm. When you're helping to develop people or, or even work on your own development, there's, there's two schools of thoughts. Which do you lean any way on? Do you lean into strengths, shore up weaknesses, some combination of both? I definitely have have moved from a i need to be really really well rounded and have really strong deep roots or skills in these various areas you know um and i think you know as a product person you could probably list on, you know on one hand what those things are like be more data driven be more commercially aware or astute be more numbers driven be more creative be more uh, engineering and tech focused any and all of those things. But as I've kind of gone through the motions and gone into all of these different roles over time and in three different industries between early on ad tech, music tech, and then uh, ed tech, um, I think I've, what I've realized is I subscribe a lot more to the first, you know, to, to the first one, which is to lean into your strengths and I think shore up the weaknesses, not just through your own practices, but I think look, therein lies the idea of a team, right? And and um, and really building a team that that has complementary skill sets and covers all the bases, but more than covers the bases, I think goes deep in each of those areas. And I think you can't do that as an individual. You really need um, the right folks around you. You really need the right environment uh, as well to kind of cater for that. And that's what I try to create, you know, where I can, um, in the businesses that I'm in um, is recognize the fact that, look, I'm definitely more creative leaning. I have a good handle of data and how to leverage it and experience design and how to deliver it. But, um, you know, when you need somebody to, you know, crunch the numbers and look at commercial models and look at some of the uh, deeper underlying tech stuff, like maybe that's somebody else. Maybe you need someone else for that. Maybe we need to pull in, the right folks to help me deliver that. So I, I'm a, I'm a fan of again emphasizing that in the other 
product folks in my my team and my, the company and recently i've also uh taken over the the design function at mind valley and same thing you know i'm just saying hey look i think you know we need to all become more data driven and more commercially astute but design folks and product folks under one roof maybe we can cover some of those bases more uh you know more broadly um so yeah that's kind of how i how i think about it mm. um so when you're hiring do you kind of specifically look for people who have like passions and side hustles going on in their lives uh yeah i think i think for me um i don't discriminate so it's you know i don't think it's a prerequisite for you to have like a bunch of side hustles but for sure for sure i'm a fan of like folks who i think at least demonstrate the pursuit of something that they enjoy on the side this might be running marathons like it doesn't have to be something that is directly related to uh product management um or engineering or design or any of the areas that I might be involved in but i i do think that um i you know i do think that there are, uh, there are folks who um live and breathe whatever they're doing you know in in the organization let's say engineering and anything additional that they do is engineering and i think that's also great like i you know i'm i'm a fan of that too but i do definitely believe that sometimes when you are solving when you're inside a problem and you're solving that problem you forget about the problem the other problems that exist in the parallel spaces and i think that is really what this is all about you know it's just about saying that there are um there are those other wormholes that lead to the same outcome or the same feeling or the same you know um goal and i think that uh, there are ways to access that you know when you stop breaking out of the uh, confines of an individual problem so i think that's more what i'm interested in uh it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to um be releasing an album every other month between uh sprints and <laughs> software releases <laughs> so man this has been fantastic i think we've got time for just one last question and again i want to turn something around on you uh earlier you talked about the parallels between an EDM track and an onboarding <laughs> flow. Yeah. And I can see how you bring your love of music into everything else you do. I'm curious, is there every time you're sitting in a studio and you're saying, and you're trying to uh, work on a track and you've brought something from your product background into it and said, this actually helped me. Uh, I've done a discovery on this track. I, I'm back. I'm using a backlog. I don't know. <laughs> actually all the time. And I know it sounds unbelievable, but um I've had the I've honestly had the luck uh of of working with some pretty amazing equally kind of anomaly cross-functional people um I'll, I'll name drop a little bit only because I think it's really interesting how they work but folks like Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas Idris Elba who most people know as an actor but has like a whole music career and a label and I think these folks um actually really invite this it's really strange but yeah someone like will he's like a massive proponent of like having technology folks around him uh when writing an album when building you know building songs and i think he takes a very tech first approach to um to the to to the music production uh world and um i don't think i i, I don't think i can like reference a specific like 
API product or something that I was <laughs> thinking about when writing a song. But I definitely know that, you know, um, especially in the music tech space, some of the products that we built, hardware and software, completely changed. When I explained how they worked, completely changed the way that some of these folks uh, thought about how to write the song. So um, I'd like to think that there's an ounce of, uh, of, of input that I had in that way on some of those oh. records. I'm looking forward to this summer's smash track. It's got to be called MVP, <laughs> and let's just go with that. Let's go with that. MVP <laughs> by the RZA of the Wu-Tang Clan. Take it back to Staten Island. That would be great. <laughs> Amazing, Malin. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, guys. The product experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Mm-hmm.